0: Revelation chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, the, the, um, the summary passage of the book of the, of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent it and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bare record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all things that he saw, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Blessed are the pastors, because we're going to read and and we studied this last time, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. So blessed are the pastors who read these. Blessed are the churches that hear these things. And blessed are they, the pastors and churches, that keep those things written in this book. From chapter 4 through... I can't keep that stuff. I can't keep the seven seals. I can't I can't keep that. I just got to uh, by by the word of God, we've got to believe it. The keeping of these things for the child of God in the New Testament sense is in chapters 1, 2, and 3, specifically chapters 2 and 3. The letters to the churches. This evening, if you read in verse 4 a little bit further, he says John to the seven churches, Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, Verse 4, rather, John, to the seven churches, which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace. Stop right there just for a moment. The title of this message is Grace and Peace. Grace and Peace. Y'all ever heard of that boxer, Mike Tyson? That name ever come across? Uh, late 80s, early 90s. They called him uh, uh, Kid Dynamite because it was like he had a, a punch, like a stick of dynamite. Well, he had a saying that went something like this: that everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? Well, if we don't have Revelation chapter one, specifically verses one through eight, the book of Revelation is a punch in the mouth to the reader. Um, so when he says grace and peace, he's saying to you, look, you're about to you're about to get a heavy message. You're about to get a heavy letter. this this thing you'll be confused you're you're going to take a lick what do i mean by that you ever done something and your parents gave you a spanking or a whipping or they used to say i'll give you a lick you'll get three licks for that the churches were about to take a lick all seven of them even the church of philadelphia was about to take a lick it's a hard letter to read I mean, we think of it as a book, and as and people spend their entire lifetime studying it, but these people received it as a letter. Yeah. And I believe when this thing was, was received that they stood in the middle of these seven assemblies and they read it in its entirety as a message from God, as a letter. So imagine, I would even challenge you one day to sit down, and pretend like you're a member of one of these churches, then read the book of Revelation from, from start to finish. You, I would guarantee you, because I, I guarantee it with myself that you won't understand everything you read. That's right. And if you were to say, OK, well, I place myself in the church of Ephesus. Well, he gives them quite a, quite a statement. I might take away your candlestick. The church of Thyatira. Hey, look, some of you are about to die. Church of Sardis, you think you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead, and there's only a few names that haven't defiled their garments. They are worthy to walk with me in white. Yeah, it's a, a lay out of see You think you're so great and so righteous, and you think you got all the doctrine down, but you're poor and wretched and naked and blind. Repent, I will spew you out of my mouth. It'd be a very heavy letter to read. I think it's so much sweeter than that the that the Lord himself says grace be unto you in peace. What a wonderful introduction he gives grace and peace grace by Thayer, the the merciful kindness by which God exerting his holy influence upon souls turns them to Christ keeps them strengthens them increases them in faith increases them in knowledge increases them in affection, and kindles them in exercise of Christ-like value. Read through the book of Revelation and see how amazing that word grace really is. We sing that song, Amazing Grace. Why? Why? Why can there be grace? How can there be grace? Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. He says, I have done it. It is finished. It is accomplished. That's it. We're going to read that toward the end of the book of Revelation. Says the faithful and true. He also says peace. The tranquil state of a believer, free from the rage and havoc of war. You read through the book of Revelation, I've known people that they begin their study around chapter 5 when they start thinking about horsemen and vials and trumpets and beasts. No, these churches, they didn't they didn't know that it wasn't going to happen right now. He says at the end, behold, I come quickly. He says it at the beginning. Behold, Let's see, we didn't read the end of verse 3. For the time is at hand. Imagine, they received this letter. And they said, the time is at hand. And they were full panic mode. There was people that their names were mentioned in this book. Well, how in the world could we be at peace? How how could that lady Jezebel be at peace and her children? Because peace comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, a security and a safety, a state of prosperity. You know, it's easy for us to think about our 401ks and our pension plans and there's the money going around and are we going to have enough antibiotics and do I have enough beans and rice put up and whatever. But a peace that passes all understanding. Think about what we read when we studied the book of Philippians and Paul said there was a peace that passes, the peace of God that passes all understanding will comfort your hearts and minds. No matter what's going on, this is a heavy book. No matter what you read, go back to grace and peace from Jesus Christ. The state of a soul assured of its salvation. Oh, there's going to be 120-pound hailstones falling that are on fire from heaven. Peace. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. I don't believe he'd be here for those hailstones. State, the state of a soul assured Of his salvation through Christ. So fearing nothing from God. This is the level. Look back in chapter 1 verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him. A person that has the peace of God. Will not fear what God gave unto Jesus Christ. Just won't. That's difficult at times. To live out. But this word of peace isn't coming from. From John. That's right. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. Amen. Peace. A peace of, some, of someone with a soul assured before God, fearing nothing from God, content with its earthly lot, whatever sort it is. Whether they live in Ephesus or, or Smyrna or Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Peace. Why? How? Again, the finished work of Jesus Christ. So when we see where this peace is coming from, I can tell you peace and grace, peace and grace, grace and peace, peace and grace. I could tell you that over and over. But when you hear, as it were, from the mouth of God, that should really settle grace and peace in your hearts. There's been a lot of times I just sit up at night. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Going to do? Well, the grace and peace from God has drifted from my mind and drifted from my heart or, or what, I, what I perceive in the moment. I'm overcome with circumstances. Well, don't you think the seven churches of Asia were overcome with circumstances? When they read this book, and as we do also, don't you think it would be possible that our hearts leave us? Not that we would lose salvation, but we would that we would be drained of, uh, of energies when, when we're poured out? Well, he says grace. Be unto you and peace. Remember the, the unto you, that's not written in a general way. He's not saying grace unto every child, every, every person that ever lived. Grace unto these believers. Grace unto these churches specifically and peace unto you. This world is in a tumult. This world is in chaos. It, it is as a, as a, a raging ocean. We watch a little program about. It's called Our Planet, and it says the most raging ocean is the one at the at the at the southern polar cap. It's thirty and forty foot swells. It looks like a hundred, though. No matter what's going on, grace and peace. Why? From Him which is and which was, which is to come. I believe this is speaking of God the Father. I really do. The eternal. God and, and the, the Trinity and its completion, it is they are the Father, Son, and Spirit. They all are eternal. It's not like one came in time after the other. I believe they all three are eternal. Amen. But I believe specifically that because it breaks down as you read it, it looks as though that, that the Trinity is mentioned individually here. The, so the, the Father from him which is and which was and which is to come. We understand that the Father in chapter four, in Revelation chapter four and verse three, the first part it says, "And he that sat was to look upon." Excuse me, verse two. And immediately I saw. I, immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one that one, one sat on the throne. Okay, you have somebody sitting on the throne. Chapter 5, verse 1, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside se- sealed with seven seals. And then in chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four elders, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven Horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came, the Lord Jesus, and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne, upon the throne. It must be the Father. In the Church of Laodicea, he mentions that for those that overcome, you can sit with me on my throne as I sit in my Father's throne. It appears as though the Father is sitting in the the throne and if you were to recall what we read in philippians chapter 2 that every knee will bow to jesus christ to the glory of god the father so as those ca- crowns are being cast at the end of chapter 4 it appears that the glory is going to god the father so the mention of the father there in verse 4 uh, chapter 1 verse 4 grace of peace from the father No man has seen the Father at any time, but grace and peace unto sinners, saved by grace unto them. That's a marvelous thought. No man can come unto the Father except they come by Jesus Christ, he said in John chapter 6 and in John chapter 14. Grace and peace from the Father. Can it be? Yes, it is. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne, I believe this is speaking of the Holy Spirit. And in the Holy Spirit, are there seven Holy Spirits? No. But in the book of Isaiah, it appears as though there are at least seven different abject qualities that you can see of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11, and you can this is a separate study in and of itself, But in Isaiah chapter 11, and verse 1, it says, "...and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him." That's one. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, two and three. The Spirit of counsel and might, four and five. The Spirit of knowledge, six. And the Spirit of the fear of the Lord, seven. I believe those are seven different descriptions of the Holy Spirit. I really do. So when we're giving a, 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 an indication here of grace and peace from the Father and an indication of peace from the Spirit who is the Spirit of the Lord and the Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and of the fear or reverence of the Lord, then it just makes sense that in verse 5 he says that from Jesus Christ. So, the, so the, the two mentioned in verse 4 are not Jesus Christ. be the Father and the Son. And in verse 5, it would be, it appears to me, that that is indeed Jesus Christ, mentioned separately. Others suggest, different, that these seven spirits are angels or beings or, or whatever. But by the magnitude of this letter, by the magnitude of the book of Revelation... It appears to me, I, I wholeheartedly believe that grace and peace from the very beginning are sent to these churches by letter from the, the Holy Trinity of God. I, I fully believe that. Yeah. That this is this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, but it has the tr- the authorization of the Trinity yeah. behind it. In verse 5, so grace and peace, the merciful guidance by which God exerts his holy influence on souls. Peace. Peace. The tranquil state of a believer, his soul assured of salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God. The basis of that, the Lord Jesus Christ. And from Jesus Christ, the name Jesus, as you recall, Jehovah is salvation. So grace and peace, all the the remembrances of, of, of my God is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. Not myself, not you, not the church, Not baptism, not works, not thought, not methodology, not ethos, not opinion of worldview. That Jesus, Jehovah, is salvation. Now, one might read the book of Revelation and be terrified, and and, and appropriately so. Chapter 1 and its description of Jesus Christ as an unsaved person used to terrify me. I was afraid of him. His hair is wool, his eyes of a flame of fire, a voice of many waters, his feet is fine brass. I was afraid of him. Thank God he reached his hand out and said, fear not. Amen. Praise Thank God. God Jesus Christ, the arm of God, saved his people from their sins. Thank God there is grace unto sinners and peace unto sinners. Yes, the Spirit does make alive and does the bidding of the Father. Jesus Christ died and lives again. He saved my soul from sin. He died for me. He is that Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the fulfillment of all things pertaining to the the wisdom and, and truth of God. Grace and peace. Christ said heaven and earth will pass away, and he meant it but my word will not pass away. You read this book and it'll tell you this world is going to pass away. It's going to burn in fervent heat and melt like wax. The nations are going to rise up. There's going to be a world war that ends all things and he himself, Jesus Christ, will firebomb them out of heaven. The ungodly will be cast alive into the lake of Fire. Jehovah is salvation. Grace and peace from Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. He will save his people. He is the faithful witness. Look at that. That word faithful means trustworthy. Now you get in your car and you turn the key or push the button or whatever you do. You think it trustworthy until it doesn't start. That ever happened to you before? You get ready to go somewhere and you push the button and click, 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 click. Well, he is Faithful. He's trustworthy. So when everything else is going wrong, and you read these letters to these seven churches, there's a lot going wrong. Jesus Christ is trustworthy. If they were to receive those instructions in those letters, they would be right to do so. Why? Because he's trustworthy. But he is the faithful witness. That word witness is important. It, it means a testifier or proven, but it also means the genuine martyr of God. He himself is the witness of all things. Read back in Ephesians chapter 1 where it says he that first trusted in him. He is God's faithful witness. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. You hear it, you read it, you keep it. You might not understand it, but you better believe it. Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness. He is the proven martyr of God. He was slain at the hands of wicked men but he laid down his life and he took it up again he is worthy to be believed and he alone and grace and peace unto you because he is the faithful witness if you're waiting on me if you're waiting on whoever else some people say like they like to read through fox's book of martyrs and see how great those people were you read Paul in Second Timothy; he's writing Timothy his his last will and testament, basically. But he's looking at Christ, who is the faithful witness. Oh, that I would appear before Him! Think about that. Second Timothy. Look over there, if you would, please, just for a moment. Second Timothy. He says in verse six, chapter four, verse six, for I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Oh, I'm such a wonderful martyr. No, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which shall be cast at God's feet which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them that love his appearing. Not the death of Paul but the coming of the Lord and Savior, the true and faithful witness. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. He says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. He's echoing the gospel here. He died and he rose again. And I saw it. Chapter one, verse two of Revelation. Who bear record of the word of, of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. You know, we're going to read in a few weeks that, oh, I saw one like unto the Son of Man. When he said he walked with the Son of Man in Galilee, he he knows that this is Jesus Christ. He knows it. <clears throat> he handled him. We studied that in First John. First John chapter one. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Chapter 1, verse 1, the book of First John. Oh, he's risen. Fear not. Fear not. Chapter 1, verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen, he says. Can't stand it when people amen themselves. But Jesus Christ amened himself. and that's He's worthy. He can do that. That's right. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. When your grace and peace starts to waver, especially as you read through this book of the revelation of Jesus Christ, if your grace and peace starts to waver, recall that Christ suffered and rose again from the dead. If he died for you, be assured of that. Be overwhelmed in grace and peace. From he that is the first begotten of the dead, chapter one and verse five, and the prince of the kings of the earth, That prince uh, means ruler or commander or chief. He is the utmost of all. There's a lot of people that might have thought that Donald Trump was going to be the the prince of the kings of the earth. And boy, weren't they disappointed. Some people thought that was Barack Obama. He said that he was going to slow the swelling tides. He made that speech back in the uh, Mile High Stadium in Denver years ago. Others thought it might have been Hillary Clinton. Some people thought that that it was going to be JFK. There is but one prince of the kings of the earth, and that is Jesus Christ. No man will be able to undo what he does and has declared grace and peace because of that. Grace and peace. Forget about what you think the United Nations might might do. Forget about who you think the, the Antichrist might be. Yes, study it, but don't be overwhelmed by it. Grace and peace from the prince of the kings of the earth. They got nothing on him. He is God Almighty. And what more? This Jesus, the Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth and none can outdo or overcome him. What more? Unto him that loved us. You know, some people, all they crave is someone tell them, I love you. That's all they crave, someone to express affection. This Jesus loves me and died for me and rose again. And everything in this book for his glory and honor, he revealed unto his people, specifically his churches. And he expresses to them and to us tonight. His desire that we have grace and peace from the Father, from the Spirit, and from Christ himself. I told you all before services, I called a couple people and wanted to to talk to them and encourage them. But I got their voicemail and I don't know what they think. I know what it means to me when people leave me a note or leave me a voicemail. But this is a note from Jesus Christ himself. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. This I know. Can you shout it? He loves me. This expression of fondness, uh, the holy, Jesus Christ the righteous, loving, the unholy. How? By peace and grace. He exerted his merciful kindness upon me. He died for me, and in saving me, he assured my soul before God. Unto him that loved us. Unto him that loved me. Can you say it? Unto him that loved me. Sometimes people, their love, though, it's only an idea. The love of God is practical. There's verbs behind it. He loved us. He loved me and washed us. He washed me from our sins in his own blood. Again, these people reading this letter, they might have been overcome. But there's never, ever, ever anything that can undo the washing or the cleansing of my soul that Jesus Christ afforded in his gospel. There's nothing that can undo that. What a display of grace and peace unto the believer's heart that the love of God cannot be separated from cleansing of sin. If you were to skip ahead to the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, specifically chapter 21, look at Revelation chapter 21. In verse 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Well, that rules me out. Seriously. Neither whatsoever a work of abomination or is disgusting, not by my standard, but by God's. Yeah or maketh a lie, we come forth speaking lies. How how in the world can a sinner enter into the presence of God? But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life, those that have been given grace and peace and the gospel of Jesus Christ, cleansed. In the Old Testament economy, they had to be cleansed by offerings pointing to Jesus Christ himself. They had to be purged of their sins well children you're purged of your sins in the love of god by the gospel of jesus christ and and from your sins in his own blood that's what it says doesn't that bring grace and peace to your hearts aren't you reminded of grace and peace <coughs> when these when when we read through this book and again if you were to sit down in one day and read this book as oftentimes as you're troubled or confused or cast down, go back to verses 4 through 8. Wonderful. And not just washed, like that's a small thing. He washed us from our sins in His own blood, and verse 6 hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. A king is a ruler, so you should have been stomped on and burned throughout eternity, but now you're set as one at the king's table, as a as a ruler brought in. And a priest is one who, who is able to be made approachable to God by sacrifice and that of Jesus Christ. So when... One in salvation by Jesus Christ Himself, by grace and by mercy, went from being cast away to a ruler and approached unto unto God. That ought to assure you in grace and peace. And who can undo that? Because it's done by His blood. As a side note. If Jesus died for everybody, then he washed everybody's sins away. And therefore, there is no person that will ever be unsaved. Because if if he loves somebody and he washed their sins away, then all will be kings and priests because of it. We know that's not true. We believe a particular redemption. It only makes sense. If there's one soul, and we know there is because Christ testified of it, there's a soul in Luke 16 in Judgment. Then he certainly did not die for all. That's right. Amen. Well, what is to come of this? Made as kings and priests unto God and His Father. Does does that give you an indication that that's a future event? Made is a past tense verb, isn't it? Don't that bring grace to your heart, that child of God? You're a king in the mind of God now. And doesn't it bring you? Grace and peace to your heart, child of God, to know that you are a priest, meaning you're of a royal priesthood, 1 Peter. You're of a royal priesthood right now that can approach unto God right now by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Do you ever think about that kind of stuff when you pray? Well, what's the what's the natural inclination that it's the, that's supposed to happen here? When we read of grace and peace, what's supposed to happen? To him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Those are John's words. A state of worship. that word glory means to esteem or recognize of majesty and dominion speaks of strength and power and mighty rulership. Yes, we will give him glory and, and dominion forever and ever, but how about Today? How would we do that? Well, grace and peace unto you. Trust the Lord and do what he says. Trust the Lord and do what he says. So why is he saying all this stuff? So there's at least four things. There's four things, and we're gonna hurry through this. There's at least four things that you don't have to worry about when they happen, okay? And they're right here in the passage. And they are going to happen, child of God. These things are going to happen. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Verse three, for the time is at hand. These things are going to happen. What are those four things? They're right here in the text. Number one, there are literal set there are seven literal letters of rebuke. Okay? There are there are seven literal letters of rebuke, chapters two and three. Okay. He mentioned in verse number four to the seven churches. And there's set, there's, each church had a letter of rebuke. So then, when the letter received its rebuke, they were to maintain a position of grace and peace from God, from the Trinity. When I was a kid, I was kind of tender-hearted. You might not expect that, but I was. And at times, I felt unloved when I was scolded. Well, oh, you don't love me anymore. Maybe you feel the same way. Well, I don't. He, he talked mean to me. He, he's mad at me. He doesn't love me anymore. These rebukes were of grace and peace. So you might think, "Oh man, that was a scathing letter." They were to receive it, grace and peace. You can't separate these things out. This is still part of the same same book, same letter. Yeah. So, when each one of these churches, read each one of their letters. And they they got hit in the mouth, as we said at the beginning. They got hit in the mouth. They were to receive these letters as gracious and peaceful things from God. That they were to do the things that he said. That they were to quit doing things that he told them to quit. These rebukes of grace and peace, they were to encourage the child of God to press on in the Lord. He tells them there's going to be crowns. There's going to be rewards for the children of God who are who do so faithfully. These churches were to recall the tones of grace and peace from the Trinity, the Holy Trinity in all things. What do you mean grace and peace? He said we might lose our candlestick. Yeah. Remember your first love, grace and peace. What do you mean grace and peace? He said he was going to spew us out of his mouth. Yeah. Repent and be zealous. Grace and peace. What do you mean grace and peace? He said he was going to kill that woman and her kids for the rebellion. Yeah, grace and peace. He gave him space to repent. What do you mean grace and peace? He he, he said you got a name that you're alive or you're dead. Yeah, grace and peace. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. You see, if the children of God are to receive this book, this is a very gracious and peaceful book. It should be received as such. Now, not every time a child is chastened of their parent is it always... It's not a delicious feeling, is it? But it does work the peaceable fruit of righteousness when it comes from God, the God of grace and peace. So... We know that that's going to happen. As we read through things, if you can get through all seven letters of the church uh, to the churches and not be confronted with a need of repentance, I suggest you go back and read them again. If you think everything is for somebody else, again, I suggest you go back and read them again. So that's one thing. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged. This is going to happen in the book of Revelation, child of God. You're going to be challenged, and you're going to be brought to repentance to serve the Lord through his assembly. Second thing that we're going to read, there are things that are after this, chapter 4 and verse 1. And after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, dot, dot, dot. And you got about 20 chapters, 18 or so. So there's going to be an after this. And once you start reading chapter 4, verse 1, moving forward, there's going to be a lot of unsettling things. Grace and peace. There's going to be a lot of terrifying things. Well, I don't want my family to go through that. That's going to be awful. I can't even imagine. Grace and peace. The unknown can be very unsettling. The unknown can be very very terrifying. When we were coming back from Mandera uh, on a motorcycle, when we were riding back to Mandera after we rode that, that loop, and it was in the dark, and there were deer everywhere. Jill was unsettled, to say the least. We weren't afraid of the deer that we saw. We were afraid of the ones that we didn't see. It can be terrifying. Y'all ever been out camping or something or in a strange place, and you start hearing all these noises or sounds, and you don't know what it is? I shouldn't have done it, but I did. I walked through one of these haunted houses years ago, and as we were going through, I saw a guy wearing a mask, and I saw where he was hiding. I saw him. I knew where he was. You can ask Jill. It was a long time before I could walk around the house without all the lights on. I knew he was there, and it still terrified me because I didn't know where he was out there. The barely known can be even more terrifying. Think about those those plagues in Egypt. We talked about them. The first eight were pretty terrifying. The ninth one was darkness. That would have scared me the most. What's coming now? 5,000 pound hippos? What's, what is it? What's out there? There are some unsettling and terrifying things in the book of Revelation and every one of them is going to come to pass. The churches were to recall the tones of grace and peace from the Trinity in all things specifically from Jesus Christ who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and third thing so the first thing there's seven letters you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get rebuked the second thing and it's done with love grace and peace from Jesus Christ the second thing is there are things after this and we don't understand them all in fact we know very little. May God increase our learning in those things. Grace and peace from God, from the Spirit, and from Jesus Christ. There are, the third thing is there are great thoughts of eternity. There are some really great thoughts about eternity. And I can't describe to you all that stuff either. But sometimes our imaginations just run wild about eternity, don't they? Much of it's tainted with sin. Oh, I can't wait to go see old so-and-so. I'm just gonna stroll over heaven with you, you know, that song that we sing. But these things are from God, Th- these ideas, yes, yes, eternity. When you start reading chapter 20 and on, 20, 21, 22, the things that are that are that are in eternity, <clears throat> the central figure and theme is Jesus Christ. And the sinner and his face shining as the sun and the people of God being in the presence of God throughout all eternity. It's about him. That's right. It's not about me. Some people talk about the queen of heaven and there is no queen of heaven. That's right. It's about God Almighty. The churches then were to recall as they got to the end. Yeah, it's great that I won't hurt anymore. And it's great that 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 I won't cry anymore. Pain and sorrow be gone. That's great when I think it's all about me. When you think it's all about him. Yeah. I get him. You know, I could walk with a limp if it meant that that I would be with him. I could I, I could have and I, there won't be. There won't be any infirmity. But you see what I'm saying? That's about him. It's not like it's some kind of great rehab program. I've heard people say that many times that they can't wait till they don't need their cane anymore, or their crutches, or their glasses, or their you know, their, their whatever won't hurt anymore, and they can see good, whatever. Well, those are all bonuses, but that's not the point of your salvation. Amen. Is that you be rehabbed? That's right. The point of salvation is that we adore Jesus Christ, and and that and when we think about that, we must understand in eternity, in our thoughts of eternity, that it's grace and peace unto you from God the Father, from the Spirit, and from Jesus Christ. What's the fourth thing that we should see? But look at this in verse 6, verse 7 rather. Verse 7, what's the fourth thing that we should see? Behold, he cometh. Now I'm a pre-tribulation rapture guy. So when he comes, Come with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I believe this is speaking about the, literally, from Zechariah, when the Lord himself will put his foot on the Mount of Olives. yeah He comes. One can make the case, and I wouldn't draw a line in the sand about it, that it that behold, he cometh with clouds, that that's the first advent, the rapture. And then you have a semicolon and then every eye shall see him. That's the second advent of the second coming. And I wouldn't fight about anybody with that. What I want you to see is that behold, he comes. With all certainty, with all certainty. Just as much as I'm standing in front of you today, so much more. Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. For the child of God, that should be that should just be overwhelming us with grace and peace. There's a song that we sing sometimes. Oh, I want to see him. Well, you're not going to see him unless he comes or you die first. One or the other. But he, does, he is coming. Behold, he cometh. If nothing else happens, he's coming. He's coming back. He said, I go away. Right? And if I go away, I come again. Those men in Acts chapter 1. We studied that not long ago. Acts chapter 1. And... Verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus. The one you saw dead, the one you saw alive, and you handled him, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. Oh, grace and peace. This world is in disarray. People calling themselves cats and dogs and, and doing whatever they want. Our, our leaders on every hand, they're all just disgusting. But you know, they're just they're just representative, truly, of the people that live around us, defiled, disgusting sinners, and they're just like us, thank God for grace. Thank God he saves us from our sins and cleanses us with his own blood. With all certainty he's coming back. With all certainty. Book of Jude says. And verses fourteen through sixteen, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, "Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince or convict all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them." Behold, the Lord cometh. <coughs> he does. Behold, the Lord cometh, and look, and every eye shall see him. Now you see that John is covering quite a bit of eschatological ground, the study of future things, the study of things to come. He's covering a lot of ground. For every eye to see him, that literally means every eye will see him. That means your eyes will see him. You. You. Your eyes will see him. So if you're a child of God, behold, when he cometh, your eyes will see him through the lens of grace and peace. Isn't that something? Grace and peace. Every eye will see him. Grace and peace. We're going to get a glimpse of him in verses 12 through 17 in the weeks to come. But literally, your eyes will see him. Job said that my eyes will see him and not another. With his own eyes, he was going to see. Child of God, your eyes are going to see him. When John, who knew him, saw him, he was told by the Lord, fear not. People have kind of a buddy scenario worked out in their head that they can't wait to just, you know, go see him. It's even one who knew him and had seen him transfigured was terrified of his presence. Grace and peace, though. Grace and peace. I'm not fit for heaven right now. I must be transformed. Thank God I will be. My eyes are seen. Unsaved people, you're going to see him, too. You're going to see him. And you know what? When you see him, you will acknowledge him as, as Lord to the glory of God the Father just before you're cast alive into the lake of fire. You're going to sing. The Jews are going to sing. Verse 7, again, the text. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. (coughs) The Jews, they're going to sing. I believe Isaiah chapter 53, that that precious chapter in, in the word of God is a depiction of the remnant of the house of Israel being restored that the salvation of the jews at the end of the tribulation period i believe that that's what they're talking about they will see the one whom they have pierced he was afflicted and wounded i believe if you were to study romans chapter 11 then you would see paul speaking to the romans saying hey look blindness has come to the jews just for a while but they are that branch of the, of, the, uh, of the natural vine and you were grafted in. So if you, the unnatural branch, can be grafted in, how much more the original branch can be grafted in? And the blindness has come to the, Gentile, to the Jews for the profit of the Gentiles, but the time of the Gentiles is going to come and God is not slack concerning his promise. He will restore the house of Israel at the conclusion of that that portion of God's word, hear what Paul said to the Romans in in Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Verse 25, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and that will happen. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, "There shall come out of Sion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant unto them when I say I shall take away their sins. Are all Israel Israel? No, we know that's true. So the remnant of the house of Israel shall be saved. Behold, it will happen. Do you pray for the restoration of the house of Israel? You should. That's a guaranteed prayer. You should you should work that in your prayer life all the time because it's guaranteed to happen. All nations shall wail. Look at that verse 7. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Now this isn't some kind of um, boogie-woogie music, jump-jive and wail kind of thing. That word wail means to strike in grief or be smitten, afflicted, or cut off. Terrifying. The nations will be terrified. The nations shall wail. But children of God, just because the nations wail doesn't mean you should. Why? Because you're to have grace and peace from God the Father, from the Spirit of God, and from Jesus Christ, who loved you and washed you from your sins with His own blood. He says, even so, even so. That word even so means assuredly or truly, amen. It's all trustworthy. Grace and peace. Again, those four things that as you investigate the book of Revelation, he tells us right there in that passage. As I said last week, it's like John was so excited to just blurt it out. He reminds me of Asaph. When Asaph writes a psalm, he tells you in the first couple verses what the verses what's, what's about to happen in the psalm and then you get it. It looks as though John, by inspiration from the Holy Spirit, was, was so excited about the grace and peace of God that came from this book and this vision. He testified what he saw that he had to give him a short summary of everything that he saw and it's going to be okay. Peace and grace, children of God. But there's some very, very, very intimidating things in this book. Again, you don't have to worry about if they're going to happen. They're going to happen. The children of God are rebuked in this book. There are things that you won't understand in this book, but they surely shall come. There are wonderful thoughts of eternity in this book. And behold, he come. You see the Lord's stamp of truth. Look at this. Verse 7. Or verse 8 rather. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. So you can take what you want out of what I said, but what this Word of God says, specifically Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, as it's been broken down, that's what God says. The stamp of approval stamp of truth from the everlasting i'm not everlasting there were people that were were there when i was born there were people that were there when you were born some of us may be around when the others of us die not everlasting he's everlasting grace and peace from the everlasting The gospel himself, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. The gospel himself, Jesus Christ. I preach the gospel and so do you, I trust you do, but he is the gospel. He is the death, burial, and resurrection of himself. He is the Christ. What more do you need? What higher authority do you need to hear from to believe these things is so? The Almighty, the all-ruling, as absolute and universal sovereign of all. We say we believe in sovereign grace, do we? Do we believe in sovereign peace? Do we believe in sovereign grace? The potentate, or the, uh, the word root word potent, having all ability or authority or command of office. He is above and over all things. He declares grace and peace. What man can undeclare grace and peace from he that declared it? Grace and peace. So then, child of God, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And in all things, grace and peace from the Holy Trinity Jesus Christ, as the chief representative there toward man, I haven't met the Spirit and I haven't met uh, the Father. But by Jesus Christ, I am acquainted with God Almighty. Yeah. It's He that died for me. Jesus Christ has issued grace and peace unto the churches. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Does that mean the grace and peace is exclusive only to those churches? No, I believe in the New Testament, those churches that were established by authority, authoritative baptism, I believe these letters were shared one with another. I believe that's how we have a copy of it ourselves, and it didn't die out in Asia somewhere. As we read this, if anybody in the world is to read and believe and have grace and peace from God Almighty, the Trinity, it would be those of the Lord, those who read, blessed he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. If anybody, if anybody is to have grace and peace, authorized from the Trinity, God himself, Father, Son, and Spirit, I believe it would be those who are active members in the Lord's true church. And I believe I'm part of one of those such assemblies. I believe you are too, if you're a member here. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Grace and peace. So you tell me how, 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 how big of a deal it is. I mean, it, it, this is very intimate to me. This is important to me. It ought to grow in to us, importance to us day by day. These things must be then. They must be. Whatever is written here, it must be. We're to behold the Lord. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're receive instruction as a church and as individual members, especially in hard times. There'll be times, and there are often many times, and that, that I am guilty of the things that I am preaching against. I'm guilty. I'm the man. We're to repent. Follow after the Lord. We're to receive this instruction and not excuse it or sidestep it. We're to receive instruction. We're to believe God, particularly about the things we don't understand. That's what faith is, is trusting God when it doesn't make sense. We're to anticipate the promises of God, yes, but also live in the here and now. The after this will take care of itself. We're to live as the churches were in in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Believing that God will take care of the rest. Anticipating the promises of God. We're going to rest in the arms of Jesus. And thank God. He encourages the mouth of the Almighty. He encourages us tonight. Grace and peace be unto you. Thank God. Thank God. You ever been in life and just wish you had a little bit more grace and had a little bit more peace? You can't be have more grace and peace from God's end, but sometimes our perception of grace and peace kind of waxes and wanes a little, doesn't it? My tranquility gets offset, and sometimes it seems as though the grace of my God, uh, grace of God in my life, that I that 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 I'm exerting my sinful influence and in trying to live my life rather than submitting to God's. Holy influence. You ever heard that phrase that we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Well, He doesn't grow. Right. And His grace doesn't become more powerful. That's right. But we're to grow. Yeah. May we grow in grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Sinner, you know, the exact everything that you just heard, the exact opposite to you tonight. The opposite of grace would be the Lord leaving you alone under your own destruction. Instead of him exerting his holy influence, you'd be just left alone. The opposite of peace would be that the Lord leave you alone under your own rage and havoc. Why do the heathen rage? Because that's what the heathen does. Rages against God. The opposite of love would be the Lord leaving you alone in your sins, filthy and uncleansed. So outside of the grace and peace and love of God, you know what you got? You got a mess on your hands and it ends in your judgment. Outside of grace and peace from God, you should be terrified. When I was growing up, my younger brother and my older brother were both saved. And I've told you all this. I was afraid to ride in a car with him because if they were going to be raptured, I was going to be in a a zooming projectile and I didn't know where that thing was going to end up. That's how the dumb teenager's mind works. He's terrified. You ought to be terrified. You know why? Because he's the prince of the kings of the earth. He's the faithful witness. You know what his faithful witness also testifies of? That God means business about Sin. The fact that Christ died in the place of sins and he's got those nail scars in his hand, his blood was shed, that tells me how serious God is about sin. He is a faithful witness that God is just to judge sin. But there's hope. Christ loved sinners in his gospel. There's hope. Christ cleansed sinners in his gospel. And Christ declares grace and peace to sinners in his gospel. I know it's the power of God that saves. But before you see this wonderful Savior, the Almighty, the Savior of his people and the lover of his people, the deliverer of his people from their sins. And then you got you and you're just trying to make it on your own. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I don't like the kids to play out here in the yard by themselves. Cuz if they try to make it on their own, something could happen to them. Get snake bit, fall break their arm, whatever, somebody come on and steal one of them. They might bring legs back. The other two I worry about. You see what I'm saying? Trying to make it on your own before God well, Revelation chapter 20, we'll get to it. People try to make it on their own by their own works and they will everyone be cast alive in the lake of fire. I would encourage you to repent. See Jesus Christ and He alone as one that can bring grace and peace unto you. He alone in His gospel, His death, burial, and resurrection, He alone can bring grace and peace to the sinner before God. I encourage you to repent. Flee from the wrath to come, sure enough. But flee unto Christ for refuge. What it says in Hebrews. Flee unto Christ for refuge. And be saved. Grace and peace. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.